I got you, babe. As this is Groundhog Day, and I'm Sean Tubbs, here with another edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. And whether or not Punxsutawney Phil saw his shadow, this is another program about the mundane and routine that, when added up, becomes whatever happens with local government. This edition of the program is dedicated to the late Ken Boyd, an Albemarle County supervisor who routinely invoked the 1993 comedy classic directed by Harold Ramis to convey the sense that all of this has happened before and all of this will happen again. Now, on with the latest bits of information. On today's program, a UVA working group looking for ways to prevent gun violence has issued its initial report. The Metropolitan Planning Organization's Policy Board gets an update on studies for future transportation projects around Old Ivy Road and Barracks Road. The University of Virginia is moving forward with the study of what to do with the Oaklawn property. The Virginia Department of Transportation seeks comment on banning trucks from using Plank Road to get from US-29 to Afton Mountain. Charlottesville awards regional greenhouse gas initiative funds to a project to model the Moores Creek and Meadow Creek watersheds. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, come gather round, people, wherever you roam. From Monday, February 5th to Sunday, February 11th, WTJU's 2024 Folk Marathon will air round-the-clock folk and root specials from around the globe. WTJU is gathering friends for a raft of musical deep dives, from Richard Thompson's soundman Simon Tassano to local favorite Michael Clem, from Virginia Folklore Society recordings to a celebration of Kevin Don Levy's 25 years sharing Irish and old-time music, plus dozens of artist features and deep dives. Check out the full schedule at WTJU.net. WTJU sound techs are setting up microphones for eight live performances in seven days. They're excited that the lineup includes Buzzard Hollow Boys, Terry Allard and Gary Green, Mama Tried, Eric Nred Neerham, Barling and Collins, Uncle Henry's Favorites, and Silo O, and Live Squeezebox. WTJU is here for you, and your donation makes the station available to everyone. Visit WTJU.net to give your support to the 2024 Folk Marathon. One of the hallmarks of Jim Ryan's time as head of the University of Virginia is the establishment of the President's Council on UVA Community Partnerships. The council and its working groups have worked on ways to bolster the local economy, improve public health, and augment workforce development. A committee convened in early 2023 to address community safety issues has recently published its first report. The community safety group was formed after three UVA football players were shot and killed on campus. Here's a section from the background of the report. Equally disturbing is the fact that the rate of violent crime in Charlottesville increased by 30% from 2021 to 2022. And in the early months of 2023, Charlottesville police had already investigated five homicide cases compared to zero cases in 2021. The working group's charge was in part to study the regional network of care providers and recommend improvements to mental and behavioral health systems. 
The Community Safety Group met 12 times and received reports from a variety of different people, including representatives of the Crisis Intervention Team, the Uhuru Foundation, the UVA Equity Center, Brothers United to Cease the Killing, and the Commonwealth's attorneys in both Albemarle and Charlottesville. The recommendations follow the frame of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Strategies and Approaches to Prevent Youth Violence. Recommendations include launch programs on firearm safety and responsible use and care, create a speaker's campaign on gun violence mitigation and trauma, continue to use the U.S. Justice Department's Project Safe Neighborhoods designation for Albemarle and Charlottesville, create crisis response teams for the aftermath of violent events, create a crisis response plan to review incidents after the fact, place UVA health clinicians with pediatric experience to provide services in communities that need them the most, increase the number of places for youth in transition to be able to stay, increase availability of mental health services in neighborhoods most impacted by violence, create and continue funding for a youth opportunity website to provide information on educational, recreational, and youth-focused mental health for young people, create a data-sharing system to track incidents of violence and other metrics related to community well-being and how resources are used, create a mobile app to help people get connected to services, and expand community mentorship programs and increase academic support to impacted youth. The recommendations draw upon the other five working groups. Is there anything in the report that jumps out to you as a way to help? Let me know in the comment, but more importantly, let them know. Get involved. How do transportation projects get selected for funding? There are many pathways for ideas to become candidates, and one of them is the Virginia Department of Transportation's Project Pipeline. Here's the narrator of a VDOT overview of the program from YouTube. Project Pipeline is a performance-based planning program to identify cost-effective solutions to Virginia's multimodal transportation needs and priorities. Project Pipeline is intended to provide a clear connection between the Commonwealth Transportation Board's VTRANS priorities and Virginia's project development and prioritization processes. It aims to implement a statewide look at needs and formalize the connection with planning, funding, and programming transportation solutions for Virginia. There are two areas in the jurisdiction of the Charlottesville-Albemarle Metropolitan Planning Organization that are currently under review through the program. One covers Barracks Road between Emmett Street and the U.S. 250 Bypass. Chuck Proctor is a planner with VDOT's Culpeper District. We're revising the alternatives, uh, scenarios, so that we could develop a public outreach survey, and that should be going out probably early next month. The other is taking a look at Old Ivy Road, where there are a number of future developments planned and approved. Proctor said potential alternatives are being reviewed, and the stakeholder group overseeing the study should meet at some point in February with public comment soon afterward. Sean Nelson is the district engineer for VDOT's Culpeper District. So the intent is to get a viable project or projects out of these pipeline studies for NPO and localities to consider for SmartScale. SmartScale is one of the mechanisms through which projects are funded. 
Applications for the sixth round will be taken this year, and Nelson said the timing likely will not be right for any projects that develop from these two pipeline studies in this round. Sandy Shackelford, the Director of Planning and Transportation at the Thomas Jefferson Planning District, said the sixth smart scale round will have more strict documentation requirements, and that means the number of available projects ready to go is limited. Pre-applications are due on April 1st. We need to make sure that we have enough lead time to um, get the projects prepared, which means we're not going to be able to introduce projects that we haven't done any work on. That likely eliminates consideration this year of an extension of Hillsdale Drive South to the U.S. 250 bypass. The projects that might be submitted for consideration by the MPO are conversion of Interstate 64's junction with 5th Street extended to a diverging diamond, projects that result from a pipeline study of the intersection of Route 22 and Route 250 in Milton, and projects that result from a pipeline study of US 250 on Pantops between Hanson Road and Hanson's Mountain Road. The MPO Policy Board also got an update on a project funded in Round 4 of SmartScale. That's a project at US 29 in Fontaine Avenue. The primary purpose was to add capacity at the interchange to allow northbound trucks seeking to go west on I-64 to turn around and go back to make a right-hand turn. The project has drawn concern from the University of Virginia, and the goal is to find an alternative that works and fits within the budget. This item will come back to the board again at their meeting in February. The University of Virginia is seeking architectural and planning firms who would be interested in helping plot out the future of a 5.2-acre estate in Fifeville. The state institution purchased Oaklawn in October 2023 for $3.5 million. Here's a section from the Request for Letters of Interest and Statements of Qualification. The purpose of the planning study is to assess childcare and potential program uses of the site in support of UVA Health and the community while protecting the historic value of the property and exploring potential density, access, transportation, and related impacts. The request states that engagement with the Fifeville neighborhood would be a key component, as would be historic preservation. The document also notes that any project would follow Charlottesville's land use rules, even though the property is owned by UVA. The property is in Area C, as defined by the three-party agreement between the university, city, and county, requiring the university to follow both state and local review entitlement processes for any proposed development. The property is now zoned Residential C, which would allow additional dwelling units on the site by right. Oak Lawn is also an individually protected property, which means the Board of Architectural Review will have to weigh in on any design changes. Firms who want to do the work have until February 20th to send in their material. A request for proposals will be released to a shortlist on March 1st. listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's sponsored message shout out from Barracks Road to Crozet, from the shops at Stonefield to the downtown mall and everywhere in between, Charlottesville and Albemarle County's offices of economic development encourage you to buy local as the new year continues to unfold into February. 
Buying locally supports our neighbors and community members and makes a big impact for our local economy. Local businesses are more likely to reinvest in our community and their goods and services contribute to the unique character of our community. You can learn more about how you can support local business at showlocallove.org and on social media. And always keep in mind that Charlottesville Community Engagement is a small, independent, for-profit business, also locally owned. Buy local, showlocallove.org. more segments to go today. A group of residents and businesses in the Batesville area in Albemarle County have been asking for ways to reduce traffic that travels through the unincorporated village. This week, the Virginia Department of Transportation opened up the public comment period for a proposal to ban trucks seeking to use Plank Road as a way to get between US-29 and US-250 at Rockfish Cap Turnpike. Here's a section from the press release. Signs advising motorists that Route 692 is being considered for a through truck restriction have been installed along the affected route and will remain in place through the comment period. The total distance that would be affected is 9.67 miles. The official alternate route would be to use US-29 and Interstate 64, a distance of 23.81 miles. To make a comment in writing, you can contact the Charlottesville resident engineer with a letter or an email. The address goes to 701 V.Way Way in Charlottesville, VA22911. I'm not going to put the email address in the newsletter or the podcast, but it's there in a link in the newsletter if you would like to email. To prepare for more volatile storms and the flooding that will likely accompany them, the city has hired a firm to conduct a two-dimensional model of the watersheds of Morris Creek and Meadow Creek. The firm Hazen & Sawyer will take on the project, which will suggest where infrastructure may be needed for stormwater management. The source of the funding is Virginia's Community Flood Preparedness Fund, which had been funded through the Commonwealth's participation in the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. Governor Glenn Youngkin has made exiting the interstate compact a centerpiece of his time in office. There had been a lawsuit to prevent the exit, but the website for Reggie no longer lists Virginia as a member. Here are some other recent procurement activities in Charlottesville. Nielsen Builders of Harrisonburg has been awarded the contract to build the bypass fire station. The city has set aside $8,627,607 for the project. You can learn more about this project on the city's Budget Explorer. You can hear their work right now if you listen very closely to Charlottesville Community Engagement because Nielsen Builders is building the expansion at Buford Middle School, and you can hear it. Total Environmental Concepts Incorporated of Laurel, Maryland, has been awarded the contract to build a new fuel station at the Avon Vehicle Depot. Southern Air Incorporated has been awarded a contract to remove and replace the chiller on top of the Market Street parking garage. Simpson Unlimited of Manassas has been awarded the contract to put a new roof terrace on Johnson Elementary School. 
Harrison Construction Company of Charlottesville has won the contract to replace a retaining wall at Maplewood Cemetery. Unifirst Corporation has won a contract to provide uniforms for Charlottesville area transit employees. The city is seeking a firm to build a timber, bike, and pedestrian bridge over Pollock's Branch at Jordan Park. Bids for that close on February 26, 2024. And finally, Troon Golf LLC of Scottsdale, Arizona, will provide the city with golf course management services. The whole point of looking at everything you've just heard about is because I really want to try to look at as many things as I can. Uh, and thank you for helping me do that by listening and providing an audience. But now we're at the end of number 361. One idea would be to have this newsletter and podcast come out on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, a goal that has been achieved for this week. This allows ample time to do research and other tasks necessary to keep Charlottesville community engagement going, such as reading through as many sources as I can. I joked up top about this being Groundhog Day and the Sisyphean nature of local government. It turns out that nearly 17 years since being hired by a nonprofit to do this research, I find it comforting to note how many shifts and changes have happened. I really consider it an honor and a privilege to do this work and to remember those who are no longer with us, like Ken Boyd, like Holly Edwards, like Dwayne Snow, Rodney Thomas, and a whole lot of other people who I wish I could say hello to today. Thanks to all of you paid subscribers for keeping this going. Your initial payment through Substack is matched by Ting, an internet provider with a sense of community. Now, it's time to end the program. Goodbye. you babe as this is groundhog day and i'm sean tubbs here with another edition of charlottesville community engagement and whether or not punxsutawney phil saw his shadow this is another program about the routine and mundane that when added up becomes a violent femme song a violent femme song i heard one day when i was back in the 1993 comedy directed by harold ramus called ghostbusters 17 that's how I convey the sense that all of this has happened before, and none of this particular bit will ever happen again. I hope the point has been made, which is that here I am, and goodbye.